The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have Nakia Lawson with me. And Nakia has been a thought leader, a subject matter expert, and a birth worker in the industry, and as an international lecturer for the last 25 years, more than 25 years, which means you started when you were four, right? (laughs) (laughs) She's a frequent panelist, a contributing writer, and a television commenter. Um, She also has a breadth of experience in... um, with working with thousands of expectant couples and birth workers alike. And you're also a trainer for Donor International, which I have lots of questions about. So thank you for joining me with, uh, joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I always ask, what got you started in this crazy birth world? Wow. So for me, it happened literally a little over 25 years ago. My sister was going into labor and she needed a birth support. I was actually at home that year. So my whole world started out in engineering. Crazy as it is, I wanted to become an engineer since I was like in the third grade. And I poured myself into STEM growing up, um, just all things math and science. I went to school on a full academic scholarship and studied physics for two and a half years until I went, yes, I was a physics major. Um, I mean, physics and birth. Two different worlds, two totally different worlds, the natural sciences, and then went into the social sciences. And so I was actually supporting a friend through um, a pregnancy situation in college and had a spiritual epiphany. And during that situation, I decided in that moment that it wasn't destined for me to do engineering. It was destined for me to do birth work. What type of birth work I was going to do, I didn't know. Um, And this again was over 25 years ago. So I started doing research. And at the time, the only thing I could find was doulas of North America. And that was Dona at the time. And it just didn't fit with what I was working towards. So um, my ex-husband and I had a conversation and it was all about like, finish what you started, do the school, do the college thing. So I did, but I changed my major. I went into social work, got a social work degree. Um, And then I ventured back into this birth world because I was just intrigued by it. I was intrigued. And so I would find friends and strangers and anybody who would be like, let me go to the delivery room with you. Um, I did that for years and years um, after having supported my sister. And my sister was the one that told me she and my family calls me Nick. And so she looked at me and she said, Nick, this is what you're supposed to do. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you know, I'm on scholarship to study physics. Like I'm, I'm going to be an engineer. So that's my world. And she was like, this is what you're supposed to do. And my sister was the one that kind of gave me the, the energy. And that's when it started for me. And so that's kind of how I ventured into it, just stepped into it a whole 100%. And I started like just looking and searching and I didn't do an official doula training until 2008. So, oh, wow. Yes. Years and years and years. I didn't even know it was an industry um, because at the time it was it just wasn't quite affordable, along with the fact that I was working on an undergrad degree. And so I did get my undergrad degree. 
Um, and then I went to graduate school and I have my master's degree. So I have an undergrad degree in social work and I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. Oh, wow. So, you did yeah. take a 180. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. So I just, I left, I left the natural sciences altogether, went over into the social sciences and just decided to just delve into birth work. And so in 2008 is when I really took it seriously. So mind you from, I believe what, 95 until you know, 2008 is when I was just kind of out there, like, like a fish out of water. I was just floundering just all over the place. Just all <laughs> just grasping for straws and not really want, you know, trying to figure it out and wondering what it meant to actually be a part of the birth space. Um, and so that's when I ventured back to Dona at that point, Dona, um, was, was shifting from doulas of North America to Dona international. Um, and so it became more of a global name as it, as it started to branch out and it started to expand even more. And so for me, being a part of Dona meant being a part of the largest doula certified organization on the planet. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's what drew me that way. And, you know, 12, 13 years later, here I am, I'm still with, with this journey. So that's what got me here. Wow. And do you have children of your own? I do. So I have two munchkins. Um, they're not little munchkins anymore. I have, they birth, as a matter of fact, they both just had birthdays this month. So my youngest, he turned 17 and my oldest turned 27 a couple, uh, last Thursday. So no, so, not so much ankle biters anymore, but not at all. <laughs> I know my, Quite te- the yeah, my teenage son likes to come and, you know, stand over, hover over me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mine hovers over me. I can listen to his heartbeat just by standing yeah. next to him. <laughs> Yes, yes. And I'm a grandmother too. So I have Oh a my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Were you at the birth of your grandmother? I was. And it definitely shifts your mindset when you're supporting um, individuals who literally seek you out for birth support compared to those individuals who you're connected to with so many different heartstrings for birth support. So I was there for my oh. granddaughter's birth. And so I had to switch hats because one moment I have on grandmother hat and then I have on doula hat. And I'm like, eh. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you wear all the hats um, also with your couples. So where do you start when you, I mean, I'm sure you're on the subway telling people, I'm sure you're on the bus <laughs> telling people on the airlines, people, you know, any, anyone who will listen, right? Anywhere and everywhere. But where do you start? What's the first thing you tell expectant couples when they come and they, they basically just, they don't know anything. Yeah. And so that's a part of what I do. That's a part of who I am is helping families get in the preparation mode. So if I see a bump and I'm a, I'm, I mean, I'm a bump connoisseur, people. Oh I'm a gosh. bump connoisseur. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you see a bump and you can diagnose that bump as I, a pregnancy if, if can, and not just a bump. Yes. yes <laughs> if I can define that I am a bump connoisseur, I am all things bump related. So yeah, if I'm out and about and I see a bump, the easiest way to engage, and everybody knows, and I can ask you this, what's the easiest way to engage any female in conversation? Well, the most annoying question you get is, when are you due? Well, no, no, no. What's the most, what is literally, thinking about it from female to oh, female. Oh, 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 your nails are great. Your clothes are great. Your hair is, your hair is great. Give them a compliment. That's yep. it. <laughs> Give them a compliment. And so the easiest way to engage an expected belly is literally give them a compliment. And so that's how I engage individuals when I see them out and about. And so it may be like yesterday, prime example, I was getting pedicures with my family and I saw a bump and I was like, oh my gosh, your bump is making you glow queen. And she just beamed. 
It wasn't anything else she was getting in her car. I was walking and passing. If I wanted to engage her at that point, she would have been so open to receive anything else I had to say just by paying her a compliment. And so she just beamed and she smiled and she got in the car and she just, you know, she buckled up and put her seatbelt on. And I was just like, that's how you do it. You see a bump, you bless a bump with a compliment. Ooh, that's a quote. You see a bump, you bless a bump. Oh, my yeah. God. I love that's it. Cool compliment. I love it. So I just but, compliment. So you did, you did say that they become very open to you when you pay them a compliment, when you make that first connection, then they're open to you. So then how do you get the conversation started? So. Because I'm realizing that just from the simple thing that you said about the difference between paying a compliment and being open to when are you due? Oh, is it twins? Oh, are you married? Oh, you know, those are the, those are the, that's the opposite of how to connect. That's how to shut her down, right? Okay, so you've got this this bump and she's open to you. Now, what do you say? <laughs> Are you super excited about this munchkin? Oh, yeah. Because then I'm engaging the individual with, where's your level of excitement? Because this might've been an accident and you ain't all excited. I know, I know. I was going to say, what if you get that? What if they say, yeah. oh, actually I'm in big trouble. <laughs> so then it would be, do you have all the resources you need to prepare so it's just another way you just keep engaging. And so if and I call it probing. And so it's, you know, it's a gentle probe, but it's a gentle probing when it's, you know, oh, yes, I'm so excited. It's like, oh, my gosh, that is so great. Are you going to do a gender reveal? And so those are because that's the new thing. So you stay you stay with the trends. And so the trend is gender reveals. Right. And so that may be a question to lead. And if you're excited, you know, do you know, do you know? Oh, are you guys going to, is it going to be a surprise? Are you guys wanting to know the gender? And so that's a, another way to lead in because that's such a popular thing now. It is. And so, and so you kind of stick with the whole idea of what is it going to take to just make you feel comfortable with the continuing engagement? And then it's just a slow question. I like, when do you do? Where are you having your baby? Who's your doctor? Um, and so I'll even ask, well, oh my gosh, you're so excited. You're having an X, Y, Z. Who's your doula? That's when you get them. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. You got me. That's Keep when you going. Get Who's your doula? And they're like, what's a doula? What's, what's Are you familiar with what a doula is and what a doula does? Because it's here's who, this is who my doula is. And either I know that person or I don't, or I don't have a, what? The, the look on your face, what, what's a doula? So that opens up my world. Okay, so go, keep role playing because I'm loving this. I've never heard it this way. What is, what would you say as a doula to somebody who is not birthy at all? So yeah, so it's like okay, so um, so are you familiar with a doula is and what a doula does? If I get yes, okay, so tell me what you know about a doula, because then I want to make sure that we're on the same page and you're not thinking I'm going to catch a baby because that's not what doulas do, right? What midwives do, and so then it's like when you hear, I'm I'm always a teach back kind of. I'm a teach. I'm an educator. So I like to teach back situations. So, oh, sure. Tell me what it is that, you know, okay. And so then they'll give me their explanation and then I'll give them the, the literal definition. Okay. So a doula is actually, or, oh, can I share with you what it is that I do as a doula? And then they'll know automatically a doula is an individual who who is a part of the birth experience that provides non-clinical education support and comfort measures, information. A doula is actually there with you at the time of birth. 
the doula is actually there with you right after you have your birth. So they don't leave you once you have your baby. They're there with you right after you have your birth. And then they support you shortly in the, in the, in the postpartum. Then you can extend and get what's called a postpartum doula. And those individuals are there with you at home, guiding you even during the day or in the evening, however you set that up. So you can have what we call continuity of care. Somebody that's with you throughout the whole process to help you kind of go from being a pregnant individual to a parenting individual. So if that's what you're looking for, that's the kind of work that I do. And then people are like, oh, I didn't know that's what they did. So that leads into more conversation. And then once they hear what's possible, do they ever want to go back to the possibility of not having a doula? <laughs> I mean, once you know, do you just, right. like, can, can, can I get one now? My baby's 10. Do I still qualify for a postpartum doula? <laughs> right. Right, right. And so most people say, oh, okay, well, that's what my cousin's gonna do. Oh, well, let me tell you the difference between how family members show up as support people and how doulas show up as professionals. And so then there's a difference in that kind of dynamic as well. So the dynamic changes, the energy changes, the conversation changes when they know exactly what your role is. And so being able to define the role of family member support person doula support person, the difference between a midwife and an OBGYN. So all of that becomes a part of the knowledge. And you can do that in a short window of engagement and in, in, in time to, to it gets to a point where now let's talk about services. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you also do a childbirth education class, right? Mm. And what mm -hmm. do you think is the most important thing for um, expectant couples to learn in their childbirth education class? Preparation, preparation, preparation. How do you prepare for the unknown? I mean, every birth is different. So you prepare for the unknown by actually having conversations before you go into labor because it is not a cookie cutter process. So no birth should be set up in a cookie cutter type way. And in the opportunity to actually, literally, what do I do to prepare ahead of time? How do I prepare my mind? How do I prepare my body? How do I prepare the location? How do I prepare the individuals who are going to support me? How do I prepare in finding the person that's going to literally catch my baby? My, do I want an OBGYN? Do I want a family practice doctor? Do I want a midwife? Do I want to have a birth in the hospital? Do I want to have a birth out of hospital? Do I want medication? Do I want to do it unmedicated? Do I want it to be a nice, small, intimate environment? Do I want to have a big celebration with family and friends around? All of those are preparations to think about. And then birth gets challenging. It does. It does. It's there physically is no, challenging. Physically, mentally. And then there are situations that require intervention. And the thing about it is if you're not prepared for the what ifs, education gets you prepared for the what ifs. And so we're not assuming that the what ifs are going to happen to you. But if they do, you're prepared. You know what to do. You know how to engage. And I'm from the mindset of see something, say something. If you see something going on, say something so that it becomes dealt with in the moment. This is how we avoid the trauma, the triggers, the unfortunate uh, stalls, what they call dystocia of labor, when labor just kind of stops happening. A lot of that happens when individuals are dueling in the past, they're dueling someone else's situation, and they're not, I'm sorry, I say doula, I mean birthing. They're, they're birthing from the past. They're birthing from someone else's situation and they're not birthing in the moment. 
Oh, so yeah. they're letting somebody else's story or some something they heard or read influence their here and now. All those and and right now with all the propagated messages messages around birth, it's easy to birth someone else's story rather than being in a place and prepared to birth your own. You are a quote a minute. So uh, give me some examples of stopping the action right then and asking a, a question. So, okay. So in preparation for it, let's, let's, let's prepare the support person because again, not every family is going to have a doula present in the delivery room. So some families may choose to, there may be circumstances that lead to them not being able to have a professional in the delivery room with them, or it may be just the environment in which they're delivering doesn't account for that situation. So let's, let's assume, <laughs> I'm not real big on assumptions, but for the sake of this example, let's assume that the, the person that's having this baby has at least one support individual at the birth with them. If they've gotten educated before the birth, if they've had conversations with their provider before the birth, then they have a clear understanding of how they see their birth happening. See something, say something. Doctors preparing to do an episiotomy. Whoa, wasn't part of the plan. Learned about it. Don't necessarily want it. In a see something, say something situation, the support person, because if the birthing person's legs up, I can't really see what's going on down there. And, and, you know, as I call it, Miss Puss. I refer to the vagina as Miss Puss, okay? (laughs) So just know for the sake of conversation, it's Miss Puss. You can't see what's going on with Miss Puss. There's a whole lot going on. This whole baby coming out. Doctor's going to pick up a pair, of, a pair of scissors and do an episiotomy. That's not something that this individual wanted to happen to their body. The support person can say something. Uh, doc, you're about to, to cut. I thought you were about to catch. Is, is there something we need to know? Because it may be something going on with the baby that there needs to be a heads up about. Or, you know, they need to be aware of. So see something, say something. Asking the, asking the birthing person, is this what you want? You're about to cut Miss Puss. Do you want Miss Puss to get cut? Because you can't see it happening. So at least someone is giving you a heads up. See something, say something. So you're not traumatized after the fact. Exactly. And mm-hmm. there aren't dumb questions. I mean, no I guess in our dumb. culture, we feel like we shouldn't question the doctor. But if the doctor responds arrogantly then that also tells us something right but hopefully we're not at that point because if you've been asking questions all along you are not okay well I also but there's also the times I delivered um because of circumstances I delivered uh with a doctor that I had never met I had hired wives but they were in the room and he didn't care one iota about what I wanted because he was just you know passing through at work for the day he was at work for the day and that's kind of the way i look at it providers are at work for the day they're they're not thinking about how's this going to impact you 10 15 years from now or how's this going to impact you for the next birth experience because i'm just at work for the day this is what i do for a living whether i'm the on-call provider whether i'm staff at the hospital whether i'm the attending or the resident that's flipping through the book right before i walk into your birth because i've seen it happen in the halls y'all so just stop being so accommodating because this is this person's job for the day. This is this is your bodily function, your your head space for the rest of your life. Exactly. Mm. And that's a part of the conversation that's not being had in med school for those who choose to go in obstetrics. And, and it, it, 
it's a conversation needs to happen. We recognize that you're here to make sure that there's there's no need for um, anything egregious to happen for the birth of the mom of the baby. But at the same token, you got to look at it from the perspective of this is someone's experience that is going to be a part of their you know, innate being for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, we understand this in the wedding space and in the home decorating space and in the, I mean, all the other spaces we get this. Yes. <laughs> but, but, but the propagated messaging, Sarah, is white coats have the answers. Right. So the individual in the white coat is the, is the authority. And God forbid you have any autonomy over your body. Mm-hmm. Well, I... I certainly hope that in 25 years, somebody listening to this would be like, oh my gosh, that was so adorable that they had to struggle against this. I hope that we have changed so much because I know, I know that even in the, my baby's 10 and my oldest is 16, so much has changed for the better. So I'm just hopeful that these types of conversations, I feel like we have them ad nauseum, but it's because of this stuff still happens. And not until women are, <laughs> until birth providers see women, or see the birthing space for what it is and, and that lasting impact, um, that we'll have lasting change, big change. And so, and there's, there's, a, there's a, a sector of that conversation that happens around Black maternal health. And so we have the conversation in the birth space as a whole from a macro perspective. But then when you kind of get these microcosms of conversations that are happening around the birth space, there's intersectionality. You have race, you have gender, you have indigenous um, situations, you have socioeconomic situations, you have age as a situation, you have ableism as a situation. So there's a whole lot of intersectionality. But when we look at what we're talking about now in the birth space is how do we make an impact on what's going on for black birth. And so that becomes the conversation that I have as a black individual, as a black woman. And I let people know I'm a woman first, because Mm -hmm. when you walk in, if I walk into a space, they're going to see, they're going to see I'm I'm female. I'm a whole girly girl. (laughs) So, So you see, you see that aspect of me and I identify as she and her, you know, and so that's me. I I'm a girl. And then you see, I'm a black woman. So it's like, oh, okay. So where does the bias come in? with me being a black woman. So then there's the female, there's the black female. And then if I open up my mouth and it's like, oh, and she's intelligent. She's, she's so articulate. She's so this, she's so that. And so I get put in a little box. Mm-hmm. And so then we start to categorize how we serve individuals. In the black birth space, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Whether you're educated, whether you have resources, whether you have insurance, private or, or, or state funded, whether you have a, a partner, none of that seems to matter when the bias exists that just says you're black. And so we're coming to find out, and, and again, when we talk about what we, what we hope to see 25 years from now, I was very, very fortunate that 10 years after my first experience, I made some changes. So I had an OBGYN the first go around. I said, I want a midwife the second go around. And so I made some changes with how my hospital birth was the first go round and how it was the second go round because I, t- I had two hospital births. And so thinking about, you know, what the next individual comes when they come to me for the education and they say, well, what do you think? Let me educate you. Let me prepare you. Let me share with you what your options are so you can tell me what you think. And that's what we wanted to see 25 years from now. The individuals are prepared so much so that they tell us what they think. Because I could ask a family all day long, what do you want for your birth? 
They can't tell me what they what they want, but they can sure enough tell me what they don't want. All day long, people know what they don't want. It's when people don't know what they want because they're just not educated because the propagated messaging is the white coat has the answer. And no, the answer lies within the individuals who birthing this baby. That's where the answers are. But the questions become, are you prepared? Do you know? Have you been educated? Do you know what you want and what you don't want? Do you know what your options are and your options aren't? Because I have people reach out to me, Miss Nikki, I want a water birth. Okay, where are you having your baby? At XYZ Hospital. Okay, so you're going to XYZ <laughs> Hospital and they don't offer water birth. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, well, let's get you educated. So now if you kind of break down what you don't want and then we can introduce some things that you do want, then we can put you in an environment where you feel safe, empowered, and dignified. Birth should be safe first. Birth should be safe first. Birth should be empowering. And that means that you've taken the power back to the experience that you want to have. And then birth should be dignified. So it doesn't matter what race you are, how old you are, what language you speak. It doesn't matter what culture you're from. There's dignity in birthing your baby into the world. And so when birth is safe, empowered, and dignified, then we've created an environment where all individuals can birth. But we've come to recognize that this race divide in the USA, and from a global perspective, it looks so different where there's universal health care, where there's opportunities for midwifery as a primary form of birth support. In the United States, we have so many issues around race. In other communities, it may be class. In other communities, it may be age. And so there may be other factors that, that circumvent race. But it all comes full circle when it comes down to how do we treat individuals when they're going to have a baby? So let's look at how we treat Black individuals in the United States. Let's look at how we treat um, females in, part, in other parts of the world, like the Middle East um, in, in predominantly Muslim cultures, uh, predominantly cultures where that, that are male dominated from a perspective, African, African countries. So female becomes the, the factor that you are literally born female can be an issue in other parts of the world. In the United States, being born black is an issue in our country. Um, in some places, again, it goes back to status. Were you born into a specific family? The royals. Right. So become questions and concerns where class becomes the factor. So you have to look at that and look at how this global dynamic impacts birth. And so you think about where you are and how it's going to impact your birth experience. Prepare ahead of time so that you can ask the right questions so that you can seek out safe, empowered, and dignified. So if um, this is, this is, this is mind-blowing, it's so powerful, but there's two sides of the story. There's the, there's the the industry, the how, and we talked about that a little bit, how OBGYNs are trained medical school and, and then also the embedded racism or um, classist mindset. And then there's the individual giving birth. So how much impact, how much can, so can, can these questions that these, that the birther asks, can they make that much of an impact or do we have to wait for the whole system to change. Tell, tell me about the impact of if she comes in with these questions, if she if she stands, how much can she, uh, I don't know what the right words are, how much can she circumvent the racism, the classism, the right. insurancism? You're, 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 
you, you're asking it right. And so the, the idea of it is, is through education, you know what questions to ask. So, you know, I tell them, did you pee on a stick or did you miss a period? And that's how you found me. Because if you peed on a stick and you missed a period and you found me, kudos, because the earlier, the better. Now you have a, a handful, small handful who are preparing for their birth experience. So before they've even gotten pregnant, they've gone out and they've done the research, they've gotten the information. That's a small, small percentage of birthing individuals versus the individual is like, oh, I peed on a stick. It came back plus sign. Lord, now what? Now what? Yeah, or the person is like, oh, I missed the period. I missed two. Oh my gosh, I'm a whole pregnant out here in these streets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you have those individuals. And so that particular person we have to continue to have messaging around education and the education comes from, we want all individuals to get it, not just when you're pregnant. So if I'm educating aunties and cousins and best friends and, and dads and brother-in-laws and um, the, the painter, the plumber, the, you know, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm educating all these individuals, then as soon as they found out, Oh, my niece is pregnant my cousin is pregnant or whomever is pregnant, they're going to say, you need to get educated. You need to get it. And that's how we make an impact over the whole thing. Because then that person walks into that environment with that provider and says, I have some questions. And the mm -hmm. provider is either skipping around it, dismissive, disregarding, or open. At that point, this birthing person makes a decision. I stay or I go. I but they have to be empowered that. enough to be willing to say, I'll stay in this environment based on these factors because you don't get a do-over with your birth. This is not a bad hairdo, people. <laughs> I say not that. You don't get a do-over. No. And you said it too, Sarah. We prepare for the house. We prepare for the, the wedding. I always ask in my classes, how many of you all had a, a traditional wedding? Those that say yes. I say, okay, let's think back to that day. If you didn't hire, if you did, did you hire a planner? A few people hired a planner. So that means you have someone that doodled you through your birth, right? There's your wedding planner. How many of you all had your hair done, styled, or makeup done for your wedding day? There are some who have. So did you just show up on the wedding day and say, do whatever you want to do to my hair? No. No. You had an idea. I want to updo. Do I want curls? Do I want a bang? Do I want it back? Do I want... Do I want my veil to, to, to cascade over? Do I want it to just be, you know, a, a veil that, that hangs in the back? You have a good idea. Do you have pictures of what it looks like? All of this comes with just one day and it's going to create wonderful memories. Your birth experience, a lifetime. And you just walk into it with like, my doctor going to tell me what to do. That's not how we should do nope. it got to change the messaging it is propagated messaging if you heard it from the time you were a little girl trust your doctor trust your doctor trust your doctor would you walk in there thinking let me question my doctor and that's so. the problem we have generations of stuff to erase i always said like my position isn't um to pick at capitol hill or to send letters to senators or hospital administrators i say the biggest way we can make change is with the actual birthing people. When a mama goes into the hospital and says this, I mean, our local hospital, I, I say, if 10,000 women this year walked in and said, don't cut, don't cut the cord early, that's amputation. And I do not authorize you to amputate an organ. <laughs> 
what what hospital policies would change around that so but there's a delicate balance because when you throw racism and you throw in sexism and socioeconomic status issues uh, prejudices then we say well it's not the the person's responsibility to educate the provider on this or that or the other and i say well okay but then we're at a standstill if if that mom can't go in and call it what it is if she can't if she's if she's not taught how to stand up for herself and and we just leave it up to the providers to educate themselves then we're in trouble and i please help me figure this out in my head because i see it from both sides we cannot expect victims of of any you know of any issue to educate the perpetrators but at the same time how else do we get the perpetrators to understand what's going on? So it, it's twofold. So one, it becomes, and this is what's happening in, um, in in different parts of the country where families are creating a mass exodus of hospital birthing experiences yep. to have out of hospital birthing experiences because they're not getting their wishes met for their birth journey. And so that's one way. It's a, it's a fiduciary exchange. And so if I'm not getting what my dollars are requesting, then I'll take my dollars elsewhere. And so birth is a consumer service. Like I said, liken into a hair, like a hairstyle, preparing for your wedding, a face, make, you know, face preparing for your wedding. That's how hospitals reckon with birth. So mm -hmm. if there's a mass exodus of individuals saying, if we're not getting our needs met in your environment, we'll take our dollars elsewhere. So that's one way. And we continue to empower individual families by saying, you have that choice. You have that choice. If you, but you have to do it ahead of time. So That's you can't true. wait till the 11th hour. the birth space, no you way. You can't wait till you're having a baby to make these decisions and make these calls. You have to be prepared to walk away to an environment where you're safe, empowered and dignified. And the question is, do you find that in your community? You gotta do your due diligence. So I'm not asking you to fight the fight. I'm just asking you to get prepared. I love that. Not asking you to take on the world's problems in your mm -hmm. birth space. Just, just prepare for your own self. For your own. Mm -hmm. yes. I love that. Oh and my education goodness. is a way to prepare. And so that's where we have an opportunity to really make an impact. So that's one way. Educate to prepare yourself so that you can own your experience. And, and you get to dictate. You get to dictate where you have your baby. Oh, okay, that's not the safe place environment. So what about this place over here? Well, what about that place over there? Okay, so I'm going to prepare to be elsewhere where I feel safe, dignified, and empowered. So that's the part of it. And then the part is to find out from individuals who are birthing, what do you know about, what does power feel like to you for your experience? What does safe look like to you for your experience? What does dignity look like to you for your experience? And so you get to define to that. Yes. Mm -hmm. You get to define that. And I'm here as a part of the birth space, as a birth worker, as a part of the birth community to help you navigate that. That's what I'm here for. I love that. So all, not all birth educators are created equal. And <laughs> how, how do you, what are the biggest discrepancies you see in how people are educated birth, different birth philosophies? And how does somebody find the right one for them? So when you're looking at hospital birth programs or birth opportunities, they're teaching you how to be a good patient. Yeah, in most cases, <laughs> yeah, most places, most place, in most times, hospital childbirth classes are teaching you how to be a good patient. And I used to teach in a hospital, and I had to find the balance between we appreciate you having your baby here in our hospital, 
to let me prepare you for your birth experience so you can actually have conversations. Can with you your imagine provider. having a car buying course taught by the dealership <laughs> or a house buying course taught by the builder? Like, <laughs> exactly, on. exactly. Then it's it's going to be a little skewed. Uh huh. Be a little bit. Mm. So when you're looking at private providers, it's am I am I in a space with an individual who has a philosophy based on someone else's ideology? So when you're looking for those private classes, so what's the ideology that I'm that I'm buying into from one particular like, and there's so many, and I'm not going to throw them all out there. There's so many that people have to choose from, but there's an ideology that fits you. Do you want something more um, partner centric? You have you have programs that are more partner centric. Do you have more that are mindset centric? You know, where it's focusing on how your mind is connected to the birth journey. So there are programs that ex- that exist for that. Um, is it something more community centric, like minus community, like let's find a resource in your community so you can have the dignified birth experience that you want. Um, is it more unmedicated, what they refer to as natural childbirth. And, and I have my whole take on natural. You're a natural being having a baby from your natural body. So it's a natural birth. I don't care whether it's surgical or vaginal, it's still a natural birth. So my, my, my terminology is medicated versus unmedicated. Mm-hmm. And so for the person who, cause it's all natural. Right birth is all natural question is whether it's medicated versus unmedicated and there are some from the mindset of do you want an unmedicated birth with low to no interventions this is our philosophy so again thinking about well what do I want for my birth and this goes back to asking those questions do you know what you want or do you just know what you don't want and then probing with the right type of probe to be able to guide an individual to the direction that they need to go to have the birth that they choose And that's a part of what a good educator does first. First, let me figure out what's going to be the best for you. Because I teach childbirth class. I teach a free class every single month virtually. May not be for everybody. What I teach may not be for everybody. For the person who wants to go more mind-centric, then I'm probably not going to be the best person that's going to help them change their terminology, change the the, the way they birth, going inside themselves. They need a different philosophy. For someone who wants to really focus on how my partner can support me, I got a little bit of that in there, but you may want to typically find somewhere where that's the philosophy. You know, if you want to figure out about resources and how to go about having the birth of your choice in any environment, that's what my community type education and most community childbirth educators will help you find out what resources are in your community to have the birth of your choice. Do you want to end hospital, out of hospital, medicated, unmedicated, you know, or do you have private insurance, are you using Medicaid? There's all those factors that you could get from a different type of childbirth educator. So that's a part of it. And realizing and recognizing that we exist, all of us exist in the birth space, right here in the US and other parts of the world. The education is vast, but the individual has to just kind of sit back for a moment. Okay, we're expecting a baby. What do we want? What do we not want? How- say, it's easier to start with what do you not want because you see the Hollywood portrayal. There's so many people that know what it's portrayed to be and they like, I don't want that, but they don't even know that there's something called a doula. They don't even exactly. know possibilities. So starting with what you don't want and maybe Googling something like how not to scream or flip like a fish during birth. Like, I don't know, like how does somebody start if they don't, if all they know is what they don't want, 
how do they start the journey? And so that's it. So you, you really, you do focus there. Okay. I don't want a C-section. I don't want to be in the bed. I, I don't want, so when you think about what you don't want, then you just give yourself the reverse knowledge of what I do want. So if I don't want a C-section, that means I do want a vaginal birth. So what can I do to, to ensure a vaginal birth? I don't want to lay in the bed, but I do want, that means you do want to walk around. So where's an environment where I'm going to be able to ambulate and walk around during labor? Love it. I don't want to starve during labor. I do want to eat some. So where is an environment where I will be able to eat? So you just go with the reverse of what you don't want. And that's when you piece together how you can come together with a beautiful experience of what you do want. And then you start putting the people in place to help you achieve that. Awesome. Wow. Okay. Okay. So tell people where they can partake more of your amazingness or how they can take a, <laughs> you'll fly right all over the country. You'll do, no, it's getting <laughs> where clearly I'm everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But, but how can people find out more information about what you do and all the things? So all the things, gosh, and I do so much. I know. Wow, wow, wow. That's why I'm giving you a good 15 minutes to. <laughs> okay. So, so let's, let's break it. Let's break it all down. Break it all down. I want to hear all the things. Right. Do you want to be, are you a family and you want to get prepared for your birth experience? Then I offer a free virtual childbirth education series, full comprehensive with all the, I say all the teams, all the teams, all the teams, all the teams. So I offer that once a month on Zoom. It's open to everybody across the globe. Literally, if you can get on Tuesday, the first two Tuesdays and Thursdays of the month from 539. And so that's again on my website, www.nikialawson.com, where they can find out about how to get in some community childbirth education. If you want to become a birth professional and you want to become a doula, I am a donor approved birth doula trainer. So I do from now until December 31st, I will be doing one month, once a month, I will be doing a virtual doula training. And that is from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central time. And all my time's on Central, y'all. So I'm in Texas, that's home. Um, it's on Central time. So literally from 10 to six, three whole days, full comprehensive doula training. Again, you can find that information, www.nikialawson.com. Um, and so that's another offer in my local community. For individuals who are looking to do mentoring and to do um, to to learn more about their birth business and how to build their birth businesses, then I have a network in the Dallas-Fort Worth community. They can find out more about that by reaching out to me at www.nikialawson.com. All my contact information is there on my website. And so whether you're a family and you're wanting to get educated, whether you're a doula, or individual and you want to become a birth professional, whether you're in the local Dallas-Fort Worth community and you want to get more information about how you can get the support you need, that's great. But then guess what? Because I am a global um, trainer and because I have a global reach, I have networks literally across the country and other parts of the globe. So if a person says, Nikia, well, I actually live on one of the islands. Guess what? I have a network on the islands. Nikia, I'm actually in Europe. Guess what? I have a network in Europe. Nikia, I'm in this part of the USA. Guess what? I have a, I'm in anywhere USA because part of what I do is connect communities. It's all about capacity building. We've got to build capacity so that individuals can have what? Satisfied, empowered, and dignified birth experience. Yes. Mm, that's what I do. I love it. Wow. Thank you so, so much for, this has been I mean, I've, I've interviewed lots of people, but I think you have the best way of explaining what a doula does, how to prepare for your birth, just how to rock it. 
Rocket. And we didn't even yes. get you started on postpartum, which <laughs> another episode, Ooh. another time. Another episode, another that was, time. That's amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. This has been amazing to be able to share. And again, individuals who are wanting more information can go to my website, NakiaLawson.com. Individuals who are wanting to just get involved in their community, please reach out to me if you're interested in, in getting more involved in your community. If you're interested in more about what's going on with Dona International, I sit on the board of directors. I'm a trainer for Dona. Definitely want to in- include you in that conversation as well. We're here. We're doing the work and we're not going to stop. No. Nope. Be- we not stopping. Building capacity, building momentum. I love it. That's Thank it. you. And as Thank always, you. if you have comments about this episode, you can reach me at media at birthcircle.com. Um, and I can also put you in touch with Nikia. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com. Join our Facebook groups or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.